0: Blog Talk Radio
1: Radio. I'll be hosting for you tonight. This is Kyle. Uh, we've got with us tonight, we've got JJ and we've got Lauren, uh, just the three of us. Um, all right, folks, how are we doing?
0: Greatest night ever. You? Oh, okay, Lauren?
2: Uh, I am enjoying some uh, some like break time for for the first time in about two weeks. So and you're that spending that time with us, off. which
1: is wonderful. Thank you so yes. much. Yes. <laughs>
2: yes. Very right. excited to be so back. It's been a
1: while. It has been a while. It feels like uh, not just not just for Lauren, but for for Wingate Motown Radio as a whole. Um, all right. So jumping right into everything, uh, we're taking a look at the we're we're performing and we're rolling up our sleeves. and doing a Red Wings autopsy, uh, kind of just taking a look, uh, see if. You know, another month of perspective has changed anything on the season that we just had and the season that we have coming in the, you know, the coming month or whatever. Um, we'll talk about the draft. We'll, uh, but you know, we're not going to get real in-depth this stuff because it's just so preliminary. I mean, we're still in the playoffs and everything, and, and nothing's really happened yet. So there's still a lot to be done, but um, obviously there's still always a lot to talk about. So I guess uh, – You know, the biggest question is, you know, you've got the Worlds going on right now. Um, And we have a number of Red Wings who are participating in it. And uh, I guess the the first question I should ask is, uh, you know, is anybody standing out? Uh, Is anybody uh, kind of uh, not standing out or standing out in a good way, standing out in a bad way? Uh, You know, I'll kind of lead in with, you know, I think Larkin has looked really good. Um, He's obviously, you know, playing for Team USA, who at this point now I think they're going – you know they're you know they're they're going to play Sweden uh, in the uh, semi-finals I think now uh, and you know you yeah, got Blaschow yeah yeah who's a who's uh you know kind of leading the uh, you know as a head coach and everything and then you got Jensen and you got Hronik and you got uh, Nielsen and all those other dorks uh, so uh, I guess my my initial one is that uh, I think the most exciting one is, is Hronik because the, he's finally getting like a full time taste of NHL talent and uh, seems to either you know
2: when he's doing
1: well it's great and when he's doing bad it's also good because you know he's it's, it's just kind of learning what it's actually like you know and there's one play today where uh, he got burned real hard by Patrick Kane and uh, it cost him the game I mean and when I say he got burned really hard I mean he either hit a rut in the ice or he just had a complete malfunction uh, as a player. So um, it, was a, it was a pretty interesting thing to see, but it was also one of those things that puts into perspective, uh, you know, it's probably good that that happens. You know, you, you, not everything could be equal. Uh, unicorns and fairy dust boys. So, uh, you know, that was, that was one thing that I, I at one point, I, you know, I, one side of things, I hated seeing it, but it's been the you know, flip side of things. You know, it's good to see it because young kids got to learn. Um, uh, what about you guys? Uh, we'll start with Lauren. I don't know how much, you know, I haven't been able to watch much, but from what I've seen, I'm kind of just going off of that. But what about you, Lauren?
2: Um, yeah, I haven't been able to watch anything and I've never really been real big on, um,
0: mm-hmm. on
2: worlds really at all, just because for the first like couple of years that um, I was really watching the wings that, you know, we were in the playoffs. And so I didn't really have, like nobody was like really in worlds just yet, and then most of the times they weren't going to worlds afterward. Um, so I've I've just been kind of catching like little snippets, like, um, you know, like so and so's vertical here. Or, like Larkin's looking really good. As I've heard that a couple different places. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I I really haven't been able to keep up too much. Um, but it's just it's never really been a focus of mine anyway. I guess but. Um, I'm, I'm glad to hear what I have heard so far um, about Larkin especially doing well and um, and stuff like that. That's always good to see it. And it's, it's always nice to have them get a different um, experience outside of the NHL. You know, it's, it's players at their same skill level, but um, certainly in, in a different context and with different teammates surrounding them too.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, JJ, uh uh,
2: what about you?
0: I've watched uh, a couple of the games, um, you know, looking out, and uh, Larkin has absolutely stood out as one of the better players. Um, obviously, the level of competition is uh, decently similar to the way the Olympics worked out this this time around. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not I, – I'm not I, – wouldn't exactly call it like NHL caliber competition he's been uh, dominating against, but he's played really well. I think Nick Jensen has kind of like faded into like, he looks like he belongs there at least. Um, yeah. I haven't seen like literally the heroic play where he got, uh, he got turned out by Patrick Kane today was like basically the only play of, of his I've seen. Cause I, I haven't looked really that closely. Um, but honestly, in, in terms of Red Wings standouts, it's, it is it is kind of surprising to see how well uh, Jeff Blashill's team is performing. Uh, I think that, that Blashill himself may be the, the standout Red Wing in terms of uh, the performance being put up there. So yeah, that's an interesting question about, you know, it raises our area's Is he not doing a good enough job with the team that he's given? Is it the team that he has been given? Is it the pressure's off? Is it that the level of competition is uh, low? Um, You know, what's going on there? Because it looks very much like a system that he has toyed with in Detroit. For a while, and just kind of has because like uh, Team USA's defense does get very actively involved in in the play. They jump up and and get in the rush, and they they join in the cycle down low. And um, we've seen the Red Wings kind of go into and out of that habit. They go into that habit and they lose control for a few games, and they go back to the old mm-hmm. Babcockian. Don't let us. Don't let your third forward get below the dots, and don't ever you know. Be really, really careful not to pinch and just collapse around your own net and play boring low event hockey um, so it's it's curious to see how it it's similar in what team USA is doing but they haven't gone they haven't had to play shell just yet at least for what I've seen and like I said I haven't watched all their games but that's um, yeah. for thought at least
1: yeah I guess that's a good point too I think Blasher, well, they Team USA probably has a better roster than the Red Wings too, so maybe that has a lot to do with it. But I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna discredit Blasio. I think he's obviously, I mean, doing doing really well with it. Um, again, you know, it's, it's a little bit different uh, the international style, but it's not a different enough from like, well, this is just smoking mirrors or something like that, you know. Um, but you know, at the Time. You know, I don't think the problem was ever Blashill with the Red Wings. Uh, you know, it, it's not isolated to just coaching, and it really never has been, in my opinion. But um, yeah, it, it is an interesting way. It is interesting and very refreshing to see uh, him doing well um, and, and the Team USA doing well. Um, it'll be a real interesting matchup against Sweden, I think, because Sweden's pretty good. I don't think they're. I don't know if they're as good as Team say. Honestly, I haven't paid enough attention to look at the team roster, but obviously they made it this far. They got to be okay, so at least okay. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and in terms of other players like that, uh, I know uh, Libra Shulak is playing. I mean, he was good with the Griffins. He didn't get to play much when I during the playoffs, which is kind of an upset. Uh, he looked really good when he played with the Griffins. I haven't watched him at all in the, the Worlds. Uh, Nielsen hasn't really put up any numbers, so I can't really say anything, but he plays for what, Denmark or, yeah, he plays for Denmark. So we can not really, you know, we couldn't really think that they're going to put much up there. Um, so that's that's you know, it's kind of, it, it's a refreshing because you see Brickin' still doing really well. and You see Glashville doing well. So it does kind of take the sting off of what was kind of a bad ending to the season, uh, so, you know, it, it kind of lists your hopes. Um, but as uh, a wise man once told me, hope is not a strategy. So,
0: um, moving along. Is it great too, or sad that, like, hold on. Is, is it great or sad that the Red Wings are out of it and have, like, sent a, a number of players to the world? And I, I don't give a shit about Team Sweden.
1: No, yeah. I, like, Nyquist, I mean, I know. Nyquist is
0: Nyquist is on it and, like, yeah. I, yeah.
1: But I'm, yeah, honestly, you like
0: know, do this 10 years ago, and there's a whole bunch of Red Wings on there that's like, oh, yeah, I'm super rude sure. for Team Sweet. Now, like, eh. Yeah. Screw up, Trey Croner.
1: Well, I mean, if you, even if you, even if they put, let's say, Zetterberg was on Team Sweet, I probably care tenfold. Like, I definitely care way more. And it's not a knock against Nyquist, it's just a, I don't know. I just this is a long season. I don't have enough rooting interest in me to follow a bunch of teams. So um, that's just how I look at it. Uh, so uh, m- kind of moving along to uh, outside of Wings uh, world, you know, we're in the thick of the uh, you know, conference finals here in the uh, in, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So uh, uh, you know, we're kind of taking a look at uh, with you know the four teams left. Uh, you know, how do you, uh, as a hockey fan, or however, whatever you call yourself, uh, how do you pick the team that you want to, you know, you're interested in cheering for? Um, do you go with your head? Uh, do you go with your heart? Uh, do you go with your favorite player? Do you go with your favorite former player? Uh, you know, anything like that. Uh, for me, I think that I just, I don't know. It's it's between. I really want the Capitals to go to the Stanley Cup Final, and I also really, really, I don't, know. I want the, I want the Golden Knights to go to the Stanley Cup Final because I just think it'd be really funny, you know, now that you know, now that we're in May to see a team that kind of just took the castaways and the, you know, the the old washed up players from everybody else, and then just. You know, took it to the house. Uh, I think that that's an interesting story, and I think it's something that TNHL kind of needs uh, because it would definitely be uh, one of those things where I think a lot of uh, maybe ownership or management would take a look at their team uh, with who are, and just say, "Hey, what the hell? Why can this team do that, but we can't do this with you know, a, you selling know, just a sell hundred million dollars pay you know payable. Um it, it, so that's that's interesting, but I also wouldn't mind seeing the Jets do it, just because I think the Jets are a young, fun team to watch. Um, so, for me, I think it, when it comes down to it, I'd just like to see about to win the Stanley Cup, um, but I also don't want Tom Wilson win the Stanley Cup, so I'm torn there. Uh, JJ, what what how would how you go about all this?
0: Yeah, like we are at a point where I'm not. You know, beating my brow if any of the four remaining teams end up winning it. Like I definitely have. Tampa is is easily my least favorite. Um, mm-hmm. The Eiserman effect there is, is not play for me at all. I think I hate that team um, more than any of the other ones, less than you know several other teams in the, the NHL uh, because of Eiserman, but. Yeah, I'm I'm rooting the hardest against Tampa in, in all of them. Um after that like I I do want the Capitals to win at the most because I like Ovechkin. Um mm-hmm. and I think that uh, I still have a, like a lot of leftover bias from like how unfairly I think Ovechkin has been treated his entire career. Uh, you know, the whole, he, he could never win the cup as a captain. He's too, he's always like too much of, of one thing or another. And it's like, I, I just, I want to see everybody eat those words. Um, for the same reason, like, I kind of don't want Winnipeg to win it. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess like a Washington, Vegas, Winnipeg, and, and Tampa in terms of, of my argument, and I just don't like Winnipeg fans. And I know it's just such a silly thing because it's all fan bases are the same when you look at it. It's just my experience with Winnipeg fans is that they're like touchy Buffalo fans, and I just don't like them. So I, I don't mm-hmm. really feel like having to explain myself too hard there. You know, you're not, you're not Detroit fans. Um, sure. The hilarity of, of Vegas winning it. Especially in their very first year, uh all of the other fans bases that I essentially can like use that against um you know it, it, my ability to troll other fan bases is is heavily factors in here, so like ah oh, yeah, we haven't you know we've never won the cup in in the Vegas era either, but um hey we've won it since you know nineteen sixty seven or um, hey, good job, blues. You were like the last expansion team to have a chance at winning the cup, and that's because the entire place was like rigged to giving the expansion team a, a shot in the finals and you couldn't get it done. But Vegas could, so haha to you guys. That's that's what I do. plus Thomas Atara would win a cup and I've got his jersey, so um yeah. oh, go yeah. go I ahead.
1: I mean, yeah. Before, like, at what, this
0: like, point, that game two or three, he didn't play pick, at all. Yeah, that pick being thirty-one or twenty-nine or whatever. I, I don't care about that yeah. anymore. Um. So, yeah. Go caps. Go Vegas. Yeah. Go Winnipeg. Yeah. and Fuck Tampa. Yeah,
1: yeah. I just don't. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't want Tampa too. Just because I'm. It's just just 'cause you guys are in that ball. Um and and Andre Andre Vestal, I don't I don't wanna deal with that either. Um Oh yeah. Uh, Lauren what, yeah, I don't I just don't want to, I don't wanna deal with that at all. Even though, yes, it sucks, it's terrible, it's one of the worst trades we've ever made, but whatever. I just don't want to deal with it anymore. Um Lauren, what about you?
2: Um my like order of um winning preferences and reasons to actually very similar to JJ's. Um, I I don't like Tampa because they they are just like there's the whole like one-sided rivalry that we have kind of started with them because they like it's not a true rivalry because we haven't had like success against them. I think we hit like 11 games in a row that we've lost to them in a the regular season or something this year which is like I swear we <laughs> had at least one game that we won in there somewhere but apparently we didn't so you know um but yeah it's because it's more just like and I I, this is something I absolutely hate whether it's in like sports or like non-sports things like any sort of like inferiority or superiority complex like just like irks me to the nth degree and I don't think we're quite on the edge of like developing that with them but it's it's certainly like oh well we just you know we hate them and we're like rah, we're such you know we, we're rivals and they just kind of laugh at us and are just like heh, and then you know just completely stomp on us like every time we play them um so they can just you know they can like fall through the ice for all I care like yeah <laughs> <Toodles>. <laughs> Um I hate I hate Winnipeg I don't know what it is I was talking to someone in class the other day about who they would kind of like to see go on between um, Winnipeg and Nashville before that series ended. And I was like, oh, like, I prefer Nashville. they're like, really? You wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't rather see Winnipeg? I was like, nope, can't, you know, can't stand their fans. I think they're just obnoxious and they've got this, there's a, they've, I I sometimes feel like they've kind of got a bit of a superiority complex in them too and that that's one of the reasons why I just can't stand them um, my, my pick to win that I really really want to see is um, Washington and partly because I'd actually like to see like a like a Vegas Washington final where Washington wins because then like at the beginning of the season you saw all these people predicting where Vegas is going to turn up and like nobody saw them like making it even this far. And a lot of them, I, I like, I haven't been reading a lot of articles about that team in general except for, like, this, oh, this amazing run and how far are they going to go and stuff like that. And I think it would be really funny for people to have jumped on the bandwagon and be like, yeah, they're going to go all the way and they're going to get, you know, they're going to be the first team and then have them lose out in the finals just so people have to write about you know, all these conflicting viewpoints of like, oh we we you know like oh well, see they never they didn't win the cup in their first year. It's like, yeah, well they still made it this far, which is completely not what anybody predicted too. So I, I think it'd be really interesting to see any narratives that kinda of come out of that. Um but um yeah I I I like uh, I like the Caps to win and um, I it was just such a glorious thing to see that they knock out Pittsburgh um in round two. Yeah, I sure. I almost woke up like the entire house when I like scrolled through my notification. I was like oh my god, they did it. Like just so yeah. excited like for them because uh, fuck Pittsburgh basically. Um that's that's all I have to say about that. But yeah, I just I hope they can actually um kind of pull this one out because uh I I like Ovechkin and I like Backstrom, and I'd like to see them actually um, actually win it. And I, I agree with what JJ said. Also, with um, you know, he basically has been treated unfairly for a lot of his career. Um, it's like Lidstrom was the first European born and trained captain to win a Stanley Cup, which is mind-boggling that that happened in 2008. Um, but but before then, it was always oh they're too something or you know they're not good old North American boys, they're not enough of whatever. And with Ovechkin, it always seems to basically come down to, oh, he's too Russian. Like, well, clearly they couldn't say too European anymore because Goldstrom had already done it, but it's like, oh, he's too something. He, and that basically just was like, oh, enig-, you know, enigmatic Russian. He can't lead his team to a cup. He's too selfish. He's too showboaty. He's, you know, whatever. Um, right. But that's the kind of personality like of course, that's, that's the kind of personality that's always going to, like, kind of go over sometimes, like, you see that with CK Subban, too. But they're also the kind of personalities that are just they're so fun to watch because they're so exuberant and you can tell they they love the game um, and you can just see it every – like, you can just see their passion every time they're on the ice. And that's the kind of thing that I, I really love to see, especially in the playoffs is just when you see them just – Get so sure. fired up and, and stuff like that. So that's that's what I'd really like to see in this outcome.
1: Right. Yeah. That's a uh, that's a that's a good point. Um, the flip side of the argument for me, I guess, you know, Winnipeg. Yeah, their fans are they are they are terrible people.
0: Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't say <laughs> that.
1: They're terrible people. They're just they're they're a pain in the ass. But Washington Capital fans are also gigantic pains in the ass. Who, I just sometimes I cannot even bear to even try to deal with them. Uh, And that kind of moves us around to the next topic, which is kind of looking around the league. Uh, With player safety and refereeing being such a big topic, I really don't want to talk about refereeing or officiating very much right now because, honestly, I feel like it's been the only thing the hockey fans have talked about since the beginning of the playoffs, and you know, whatever you, whether you agree with it or whether you don't agree with it, or whatever your stance is, it's just you know, there's always there's always two sides of this argument, of course, and either side is always wrong. But uh, Tom Wilson was a hot topic because he is one of the dirtiest players in the NHL, and uh, he has not changed, and he never will change. And the reason why I you know, kind of saved into this is because capitals fans love to defend him. Uh, they love to take the higher ground with him all the time. And that's why capitals fans are the worst. Um, anyway, uh, kind of going on player safety here. I mean, before tonight, uh, you know, in the, in the, uh, Bolt's series, you know, you saw, uh, Anton Stroman, uh, make a hit against, uh, Tom Wilson, uh, where it was, I mean, it was it, it. didn't look like a good hit. It definitely did not look a good. I wasn't watching the game uh, at the time, but, it you know, when I watched back at it, it did not look good. Um, and uh, I still haven't really formed an opinion on it, but uh, it is one of those things where that's something that needs to be talked about, um, you know, is it a problem? I mean, of course it's a problem. You have, you know, it seems like every other game is, uh, there's a bad hit thrown that that could potentially, really, and horribly wrong, uh, you know. And how can the NHL change that? You no, know, uh, you know, I mean, how, how does the NHL go about changing something like that? I mean, it's 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 such a complex issue with so many layers. Um, you know, you're never going to stop at Jeff. You're never going to stop dirty plays. You're never going to stop that stuff. Um, Just because I think that hockey is too much of a momentum sport. Uh, It's just, it's too fast. It's too downhill at times. I I just feel like there's no way you are going to completely cut out uh, these disgusting plays, uh, whether they're bad players or not. Um, So, of course, they can do things. They can definitely uh, you know, get the uh, player safety uh, uh, guidelines and rules right. Uh, they can maybe make the calls right. Uh, for me personally, I think an interesting topic is uh, if there's a questionable hit, like that looks like it's straight up to the head and, and all that. I don't know. Like, and I've always thought about this. Is it would it be an interesting topic to bring up a review of a hit in a game, somewhat kind of like how you review a play? You know, and the referees come together and uh Toronto gets involved and they review it and they go through it, they spend uh, a minute or two on it and then they make the call. or oh, yeah, that's a really bad that's a really bad hit. That's a game misconduct or something like that. And you know, I've always thought that might be something that could be a possibility, but I don't think the players association might go for that. But uh what are your thoughts, JJ?
0: Uh who would be making the ultimate call on that in-game review idea?
1: Well, I guess it would have to be it would, would it it be, be the refs, or would it be safety.
0: The,
1: the player safety? Would have to somehow be involved in some
2: way. So New York, then you'd have to get New York on the Yeah, plane. I
1: mean, yeah, it would have to be. It would have to ultimately be like there would have to be a special position where there's a person there who can watch the hit three or four times and then make the judgment call. right
0: there and then yeah I was asking I for a think... lot of snap judgment that I'm worried about,
2: yeah,
1: yeah, but I mean we're already dealing with snap judgment, so I mean, why not put an extra you know if it's already if we're already dealing with snap judgment, why not just add another level to it where you take that snap judgment and then put it to another you know give it a little bit more betting i guess i don't
0: know well the player safety pro the the d o p s process isn't really snap judgment they've explained a bunch of times how thoroughly they go through it and how they've got a bunch of people that are all looking at it and they all have to have a big argument about all these hits basically every single day um to warrant the the concept of supplemental discipline because i mean this is what we're talking about is in-game supplemental discipline um Mm -hmm. I don't know that it's necessarily a, a good idea. I, I think in terms of um, how to solve things, I, yeah, it is a fast game. I think the very first thing you need to start doing is looking at the the player padding. That's slowing down. I don't think that Tom Wilson needs to be dressed like a human tank going out there. I don't think that anybody needs to be dressed like that. Um in terms of the, the level of, of hard shell pads that, that they all wear. And you get to go running at people at car crash speeds because it doesn't really hurt to do that. You now, if you make it hurt the hitter as well as the hit E, then you just, you bleed a little bit of speed away from it. Uh, I think that you need to keep the, I think that everybody needs to put more pressure on the NHLPA about stop cannibalizing your own members. Um, understanding that they're in a tough position in terms of they have to represent both the hitter and the hitter and, and look out for everybody's best interests. But if everybody's in on player safety, then yeah, they I want to see more from the NHLPA actually giving a shit about player safety. So, um, okay. And then there's the talk about banning all headshots altogether. Um, I don't necessarily. I don't. I think that's too too knee-jerky. But I think that re-looking really at what exactly the rules are in terms of charging, and why there are checking rules, and specifically the 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 purpose of checking. Like you're not going to get rid of Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson is. Uh, he's the zeitgeist of. the the Don Cherry culture. And it's grown in hockey over, you know, it's been a part of the hockey culture for longer than Tom Wilson has been alive. And as long as he is alive, that is basically hockey to him. So you're not going to get rid of this problem overnight. You're going to have to essentially breed it out of hockey players and wait for the generation that, only knows hockey like that to essentially die and go away. Um, Cause basically Tom Wilson is everything that the Red Wings want. To, want just an applicator to be every team like wants a Tom Wilson guy, they just want him to like, not be quite so Tom Wilson. Um, so yeah, you, you have to fix it at the You have to realize it's, it, Fixing it is not going to be an overnight solution. I, I don't think there's going to be one thing that's going to do it. Um, and it's going to take a, a, lot of, a lot of pain. And unfortunately, it's going to take a lot of head injuries for that to continue to happen. But as long as DOPS can create consistency at some point, and I feel like lately they have been doing a better job of creating some consistency, um, you know, we're, we're on the right path at least.
1: All right, yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't, I don't know. The pad thing is an interesting topic, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. I mean, maybe, but that's just—I don't know. That's that would be a bold, deep topic that I don't know where the hell to begin with. Uh, But I mean, it is an interesting topic, that's for sure. Uh, But I do, I do think that if it makes it hurt more yeah I know if you do if you do make the hits hurt more then I guess that might do something but at the same time maybe it won't who knows um lauren what is what is your whole take on this
2: um well i have uh definitely written articles about this on the past and i've talked about this kind of thing on this very podcast before um i think JJ's right with the um with the pads uh for one thing it's like you know if you compare um pads from 10 20 years ago to what we have now with the hard shells and everything you you are taking away a lot of the impact like physical impact that um people laying hits are feeling you know so they're able to go and slam into somebody a hell of a lot easier um without feeling um you know, a whole lot of kind of kickback, basically, from from what they're inflicting on someone else. And I've I've talked about this in a couple different ways in in some of my articles before, and one of them was um, the idea of, like, needing to play through pain and and being tough and, you know, playing through concussions and shit like that, which is a whole separate thing. But one of the things I I find... um, was, it, it was it's and it always comes down to like hockey culture and stuff, like JJ said too, was you know talking about the the zeitgeist of of hockey for certain people and um I think the the thing that I've noticed with comments from players about teammates, about themselves, about opponents is um is the idea of of toughness. And if you can't handle, you know, being hit, maybe you shouldn't be playing the game or like, you know, that's just hockey and you need to expect that, you know, you, you always have to play with your head up. But like, well, you shouldn't have to play expecting that somebody might hit you in the head at any moment and you concuss your brains out. Like that shouldn't be something. Like that should be a freak thing that, you know, happens, an accident, you know, if at all, like, you know, you can't get rid of every accident that happens. But there's, you know, that shouldn't have to be something that they're concerned about at every turn. Um, and it's, it, I think it's just sometimes it's a a lack of respect as um, as a fellow person. Um, and and that's going to sound um, maybe a little highbrow for for sports, but whatever. I'm going to say it because I've always. Kind of have this underlying, like, why can't we all just get along? Feeling about sports sometimes, and it's just you know, uh, yes, you're opponents, and yes, you're playing, um, there's some very heated rivalry sometimes, um, but at the end of the day, you are playing the same sport for the love of that sport, um, you know, five years down the road, you might be teammates, you know, you that's that's just the way the sport works, and it's to me. No amount of sports rivalry is worth inflicting that kind of physical damage on another person. Um, you know, it's—I don't care how pissed off you are at somebody for whatever reason, like you know, going out and intentionally slashing them in the hand, or you know, you know, taking a sucker punch in the face during a scrum, you know, you get free and you just wail on somebody's face. Like anything like that to me is just completely unacceptable. And I feel like any of these like really egregious uh, hits and stuff like that, they're not going to get out of the game until, first of all, the DOPS actually gets consistent and, and, and and you're never going to get, hundred percent black and white because no situation is ever the same. There's always context. There's always angles that you don't see with other hits and stuff like that. And I understand that, but there has to be some kind of consequence for the people who consistently throw these kinds of hits. You know, there has to be consistency between hits, but when it's like when you have Tom Wilson, Tom Wilson versus Anton Strawman, one has a very different history than the other. Um, and even if they threw extremely similar hits, one of them's going to have to get a crackdown more than the other, based on the fact that, <laughs> you know, Wilson throws hits like that all the time, and clearly doesn't care enough um, to change his behavior. Because one, he doesn't get punished enough to change his mind, and two, there's just it. I don't know if it if it would take a hit like that to himself. For him to understand, you know, kind of what he's been inflicting on people. I don't know, and I'm never going to wish that on anybody. But um, just the idea of um, not going out there to intentionally inflict injury on somebody just
1: mm-hmm.
2: that doesn't always that just doesn't always mm-hmm. seem to be the case in this league, and that just that just blows my mind. Um, and it always will uh, just completely baffle okay. me that that's that's not that that kind of thing gets Thrown by the wayside when you get into sports like this.
1: Right, right. Okay. So those a pretty interesting, uh, interesting points there. Um, as a closing thought, it's, I think I, there's no. Uh, I don't disagree with anything anybody said any you said, uh, but I do. I don't think anything. I don't think the player department, of player safety getting stricter would. I don't know if it would change much. I just get the game so fast, and there's just such an embedded culture that it would be a real difficult. With, uh, I don't know. It's they're, they're we we are so far away from changing, uh, you know, dirty plays, and uh, you know, from, you're like separating dirty plays
0: and uh, accidental plays. Because well, in fairness, so the game is. in fairness, we agree. I mean, the the results that i talked about were specifically about changing the culture and and kind of slowing down the game where it's dangerous so yeah i I do think the game is too fast and that there's problems with the culture but i don't think that it's something that can't be that there's nothing that can be done about it now uh to your dour point that they're not going to do anything about it sure uh, that doesn't make it that doesn't change it. For, that doesn't make it a bad idea, in my opinion. Just because I don't have faith that they'll actually do it,
1: right? Yeah, I. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, I don't have the know. I don't know. I don't know how they go about changing it. Obviously, they should get stricter and more consistent with the calls. But, uh, you know, at the player safety level, um, you know, and have a little bit more. Uh, like I said, and I think all of us have said a little bit more consistency in their calls and. Uh, and all that stuff. Uh, but anyways, that's just a very, uh, that's a very deep topic uh, that you know, I'm sure we could devote a whole series on. Um, moving along now to uh, reader questions, which JJ always takes care of for us. Um, I'll hand the reins over to JJ, and uh, we can just go ahead and dig into what the readers have to ask and what is on their mind.
0: All right. Our uh, very first reader question is actually a statement, which uh, I just want to say is, is soul-crushingly disappointing. Um, so I'm not going to read the statement because of that. Uh, <laughs> but the next one by Joe Casino says, uh, positionless hockey, as the NBA is becoming more and more a positionless league, I'm curious to know if the NHL could start to lean that way. We already know of certain guys past and present that could play both forward and defensemen. Is the switch from one to the other really that difficult? So instead of three fours and two D men, you could just have five guys on the ice that could do it all. And I really like this an idea. Like idea.
1: it's an interesting idea. I just I don't know. I mean, that's just like, kind of like really like there the is no. Your...
0: Go ahead. It, it, it's it's putting yeah, you know it. it, it the the import of what exactly you're supposed to do, based literally on where you start the face off, um, and I you know we've seen more like oh the defensemen get activated, like are they tasked more with playing defense just because they're called defensemen? Like if you just called them blue liners or if you called them something else or if you played basically five forwards or you know you, the more everybody's the the more William Carlson on the back end and patrice bergeron on the front end i i like the idea but i i don't think that the way hockey is broadcast right now really covers that unless we're gonna get like some real rogue kind of coach that's got like a lot of charm and charisma who's gonna like go out and basically snark on the, the media every time. They're like, oh, can you talk to us about your defenseman? And he's like, what the hell's a defenseman? I don't have a defenseman. I got five hockey players out there. I, that's basically how you you start that concept. But I think that we're already kind of seeing more of what you would call positionless hockey, um, just not consistently, because it, it hockey is very, very resistant to to change, I mean it's it, it's super hard. You you get taught that if you're a, if you're a defenseman, that's what you're supposed to do. You're responsible for for clearing the front of the net. and Yeah, I, I don't give a shit who's doing it. Um, although that would also ruin my concept if I want everybody to always be a center. You should always play five centers. Uh,
1: it's an interesting thought. That um, would I don't know I don't know how that. I don't know how it works, like, going back to how players are kind of developed at a young age and stuff like that. I don't know. It's an interesting thought. If an NHL coach is just like, hey, we're just going to do this, and here's how it's going to work, we're going to try it. I mean, yeah, sure, why not? I'm all about uh, reinventing the wheel uh, in some cases. But, man, that would be a real bold move. And I don't know if uh, hockey is that bold. I mean, look how long it took for us to accept Corsi. You know, I just—I don't know. That would be—that would be some real groundbreaking, controversial stuff.
0: Yeah, the sport would eat itself alive.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I would not be able to handle
2: it. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, All right. Um, kind of. Go ahead, Lauren. Oh, I was going to say I can definitely agree with kind of what's been said so far. Um, It is funny, though, because you do have, um, you know, season-based awards for, you know, best defensive forward. And the Norris Trophy, which is basically which defenseman has the most points these days. Um, And it's it's just funny because it's like, you know, this position that you're supposedly supposed to be in a – a fairly defined box. It's like, well, how good are you at going outside of that box? Which is surprisingly uh, not like very rigid of of hockey, which kind of goes against a lot of <laughs> what it does. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I, it's a, I think it's a very interesting concept to think of positional hockey because you, I think you would kind of naturally get players that would pretty much almost fill the traditional role. You just wouldn't have, uh, you know, like labels necessarily slapped on each player for what their position is. And I, I wonder how it might change the, the concept of, like, who's, you know, whose responsibility is this player? You know, it's like, you know, any, any given person on the ice is kind of, you know, supposed to cover... One area or one person on the ice, and it's you know, I, I wonder how that would change when it's not, you know, a defenseman specifically is supposed to have this role, and this the uh, you know last forward out of the zone is supposed to do this, and and I think it just there's a very it 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 definitely could it could open up a lot of creativity, I think, um, but it, I. I uh, like it, you guys said, I, I can't imagine it's going to be anything that would, you know, it's it's not going to spring up overnight for sure. And I certainly don't think it would happen in the NHL first. It would probably start in a lower league, um, maybe even like a juniors team or something, and then oh, maybe a, a, an AHL team kind of picks it up with someone that's really creative and can get his players on board with what he wants to do. Um, but I, I can't imagine it would show up in the NHL first either, so...
0: And it would absolutely ruin things for the announcers who love to have fun when it goes to four-on-four hockey, reminding people, oh, and the forwards got the defense, the defense got the forwards, and let's just play some hockey. And it's like, ah, oh, shit, the players got the other players because there are no positions anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mo- moving on, uh, Austin had a couple of good questions that basically we already covered. Um the inconsistency the EOPS had to solve things and the Red Wings had the world. So, um, I will say, uh, he says he's, he's rooting for the jets from the, about the midway point of the season. Uh, disappointed we couldn't get a Jets Preds finals because those teams were too exciting or so exciting that Jets Preds series was really good. Um, I just disagree that you should be rooting for the Jets, but uh, I figure I'd read that part to, to kind of make up for the fact that we already got his his questions out of the way. Uh, DTD Tank uh, says if Detroit doesn't draft a defenseman at number six, is it doom and gloom? Uh, defensemen take longer to develop than forwards, so if we draft Wallstrom or Lord, Lord forbid, Kachuk, does that mean we're organizationally hoping for gems in Chalowski, Lindstrom, etc.? Uh, Kyle, what do you think? Is it doom and gloom if we don't I take don't, a D-man? I don't,
1: I don't know why everybody has this um, mindset that defensemen take longer to develop than forwards. I don't understand that at all. Um, no, it's not doom and gloom. I mean, it's doom and gloom if they go off the map again or off the chart again and they take someone else who is not in that range. That is doom and gloom. Uh, if they – if they think Wallstrom is the best pick at six, I mean, yeah, you want to see him take it against him, but Wallstrom's good, sure, why not? Um but I mean, look at guys like Mikhail Sergachev. Look at what he's doing. I mean, he didn't how long did he take to develop? You know, he's jumping right in right now and he's he is going to be a stud for so long. Um so, no, I don't think it's doom and gloom, but it will be doom and gloom if they end up taking uh, you know, some guy who was ranked, you know, off the off out, outside of the like top twenty or something like that. That would be kind of dingly. But then again, the Red Wings just need to be smart and they just need to try and not be smarter than everybody else. They just need to stick to the map.
2: And not be Boston.
1: Well yeah. definitely not be Boston, Boston, yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean That's my favorite thing that comes up every
0: once in a while in Slack. No, it's not. You'd said that. uh, Actually, I do think defensemen do take a little bit longer to develop than forwards. I mean, you'd mentioned Sergachev and how he took a little bit longer, but that's obviously just one person. And that doesn't matter though. Uh, I think I think you're you're right on there, but. I, I do kind of disagree that if they do end up not taking a defenseman, there are going to be defensemen on there that people are going to get doomy and gloomy about. I don't think it's going to get, like, all that widespread. But, like, Detroit didn't really go off the board with taking Rasmussen, and it was pretty doom and gloom about that. Um, just because there were That's other guys that were on the So
1: yeah, Well, I mean, yeah, I,
0: I, I don't but, know. I mean, like, honestly, I don't I mean yeah,
1: it's just one player, but I mean, you know, you look at guys like Jacob Trubo and Colton Perico. I mean, you're talking about guys who either saw less than 20 games in the AHL, or more. I mean, it's just, it's maybe it's that's just me though, but uh, I don't know. I just, I think that it just, I, I, I just, you know, I don't know, whatever. Everybody has their own opinion with how to draft, and I just think that you should always just stick to the best player available. And in the Red Wings' case, it would be best to a defenseman, but I mean, if you can take another Dylan Larkin, you take another Dylan Larkin, right? I don't, I don't
0: know, whatever. I take a, a Larkin, yeah.
1: Sure, why not?
2: I think all Dylan Larkins.
0: I, I don't like that family. I don't like that name. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's, really really it's that. the
2: organization of letters. I still don't know yeah. how to spell it. <laughs> I just can't do it.
0: All right. Now we get a bunch of comments. Uh, Beer League Arbitration. Why no 30 to 40 plus scores? The Wings haven't had an individual player score 30 goals in almost 10 years. Do you think this is more a function of a lack of individual scoring talent, a system that doesn't put individuals in a position to rack up goals, or some other forces at play? I'm curious what dynamics lead to some teams getting more top heavy scoring than others.
1: That's, I mean, that's always been a kind of a topic
0: for this team, right?
1: Um, I don't know. It could be a multiple, multiple, multitude of things, I suppose. I don't know if I really have a, an answer to that. I think it's just more of they just haven't, I don't know. I mean, they've, always, they've just played kind of a boring style of hockey for a long time, I suppose. I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on that. All I know is that they haven't had any true goal-scoring talent, like true goal-scorers, since Arian Hossa, I guess, right?
0: Yep. He was their last 40-goal scorer, I believe. Yeah,
1: so, I mean, and I guess Franzen, maybe, but, you know, whatever.
0: Yeah, basically, luck is, like, if you take it down to the 30-goal level, luck has played into it with what happened with Fronson because uh, he was definitely supposed to be a 30-goal scorer that basically didn't happen. Um, There's also a little bit of context. I'm not uh, absolving the Red Wings because basically how it's been almost 10 years has been ridiculous. But looking at the last 10 years, I think, um, I did this several hours ago, but there were like 200 seasons in the last 10 years, uh, or no, about 250 uh, individual seasons of 30 or more goals scored, which comes out to fewer than 30 per season. So basically not every team is guaranteed a 30 to 40 goal scorer um, every season. So the fact that it hasn't happened for the red wings in such a long time is obviously the the counter argument to that and i do think that it's been they they haven't had the scoring talent they've had a little bit of luck go against them in terms of the guys that should have scored 30 and and didn't for all sorts of various reasons it is decently difficult to score 30 goals in the nhl anyway and the organizational kind of rot that took over, I do think that uh, that it was uh, a purposeful choice. Like, because the the Red Wings, even when they had like Marian Hossa, they they've always had the kind of like we want to score with every line more than we want to be top heavy, and it's it's kind of has built into the the Red Wings organizational culture that they we we don't care about a forty goal score, we care about wins, so let's have let's have five twenty goal scores instead and that's that's better than having two forty goal scores uh because of math. So hey I I don't know. It it does annoy me but yeah, I think that recently it's been more the Red Wings just haven't like literally have not been good enough and the idea that if you are not good enough to score a, a ton of goals, then the way you win in the NHL is to limit how many goals and play boring hockey. Uh, and that's been the Red Wings for for at least three years now, uh, going on probably five or six, if, if you want to get more, more liberal with the definition of when they started playing more boring hockey. Um, and so, yeah, I, if I had to to nail it down to one thing, I would say that it, it, it's been a choice for the Red Wings to to not go for that as much. There you go. Okay. Polar Baron, who gets the open top six forward start to spot to start the season and why? It sounds like Rasmussen and Nielsen will be tied to the hit next year, so let's skip them as a possibility. So uh, looking at uh, C U giving a shot as sort of a last chance from the organization. Our applicator, the assistant captain, to be the net front presence and play kind of that grinding top six game. Helm, which is basically dab light, I guess, in terms of that argument. Or uh large? Can he make a large jump and actually take over in in the top six? Uh, wh- what do you think, Lauren?
2: Um. Well, I know what I'd like to see happen, and it's not anything to do with assistant captains currently. Um, <laughs> realistically, I I think it they'll probably try and shoot her an applicator into a top six scoring role again more than they'll give Svetchnikov a chance in the top six. Um, I, I don't know. I can't see them putting Rasmussen in the top six right away too. And like, I mean, are, at this point, are we kind of assuming that he makes it? Cause I know he obviously looks really good in, uh, the preseason and no. camp and stuff. I mean, cause it's never a sure thing. Um, I'd really like to see him on the team next year, you know, start start getting him in the in the league, you know, playing early. That'd be awesome, but um I just can't see them putting him in a top 6 role right away. Um I think of those I the, the most likely that I see is advocate because I think they would want to have him use his leadership in the top six and all that bullshit that i don't think applies to him but that's that's uh, that's another discussion um i i'd really like to see them not give up on asking to as well um and i i'm curious to see how that kind of all plays out this year um but but yeah i that's yeah i, I think it'll be applicator for dumb reasons
1: the
0: correct answer is uh she Jeez. good call yep i I think what uh polar Baron was getting at in terms of Rasmussen and Nielsen being tied at the hip is that they basically uh Nielsen is essentially the red wings uh third line center, so like Rasmussen being there with nielsen means that he, they won't be there in in the top six and so that's that's why he's throwing them out. Um I, I,
1: th- I my think, I, I think my Rasmussen, heart. Rasmussen will get like the nine game fry out and then I think he'll just go back to the CHL, or WHL. Same thing. Right.
0: I think he's gonna make the team out of camp. I'm just I just don't think it'll be in the top six. Um I do find it hard to argue against the concept of, of Ablocator starting the season there just because I feel the Red Wings will have immense pressure to give Ablocator as many chances to live up to that contract as they can. Um although uh Tyler Bertuzzi may have something to say about that. So fingers crossed on on that concept. I hope so. Um Personally, I'd like to see Svechnikov just because I'm at this point I'm I'm ready to pull the plug on Anthony and trade him. Um, but I don't know. I, mean, I if Athanasiu is around, I give him a chance. Um, as long as he earns it in in preseason, because that's I, that's where I've come around to with him is that I don't think that he earned the top six chance and i want to see that come out of him like he was way too inconsistent this year and i'm way too disappointed in him right now so if he shows up to camp ready to, to kick ass and take names then uh, hold a spot for him but i i don't want to give it to him just because i know that he's capable of being electric when he wants to be Alright, uh, the last two questions are about backup goalies so I'm just going like, to mash them together. Uh, MittenMan1391 and Man Fodder, uh are basically wondering who's going to be the backup goalie and sets the over-under of the backup goalie cap hit at $2.5 million. So, what do you think, Kyle? Who's going to be the backup goalie and are you taking the over or the under on the $2.5 million salary? Uh,
1: you boot... Um, grow or just stick them in the AHL forever, uh, and you sign a free agent. Just I don't know. Take your pick at all the older free agents who can be a good stop stopgap. Uh, I will take Andrew Hammond at one point seventy five million.
0: Oh, I like that, <sighs>
2: Lauren. Um, God, I don't even know who's out there these days. Uh Jonas Gustafson for a victory tour back in Detroit. Um and it'll <laughs> sure. be for for I'll take the under on the on the prediction of the, the salary.
1: There
0: you go. I'm gonna Look say it'll be 10. uh Peter Morazic for Peter three for three million. <laughs>
1: right.
0: No, I d I don't. I'm I'm taking the under and yeah I think that they're gonna uh, try to get they'll just they'll sign a journeyman, um, but NHL caliber journeyman I don't think it's gonna be Carew or McCollum. so, um, at this point unless something drastic changes with the way the Red Wings are gonna look next year uh, I the goalie position is very very unimportant to me in fact. I may actually want to be purposely a little weak on goalie just to try to get them back into the uh, the lottery again next year um, while the kids continue to grow and have the kind of built-in excuse of, hey, we were playing good hockey, uh, but those jerks between the pipes let us down a bunch. Um, and That's not fair, and it's it honestly doesn't sound like a lot of fun to watch over the course of a season, but... Um, I'm going to spend this summer thinking more about how exactly, you know, if, if I want to like take the medicine or if I just want to like hope against all the improbable and like the Red Wings are just like insanely good for no explicable reason, uh, like the Golden Knights this year, maybe. Um, and I don't don't know. I don't know what I want to see. So journeyman backup, definitely take the under on, on the pay. And that uh, that actually takes care of the rest of the reader questions, so I will throw the reins back to you, Kyle. All right, cool, cool. Any
1: final hockey-related thoughts before we wrap up this episode of We Use the Radio? I only have one, and it is hope is not a strategy. That is it. No, I, okay. I
0: can't beat that.
1: Um, All right, Lauren, Lauren, you think, got anything? Yeah, Lauren, you got something?
2: Trust the process.
1: Oh. Okay. Oh, Philadelphia fan we have. All right. So, for Lauren, I'm just kidding. She's not a Philadelphia fan. Um, obviously. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it's, I don't know. It's a stupid Philadelphia thing because it's a basketball team or whatever. Uh, anyway, doesn't matter. Who cares? They suck. Um so, this has been another episode of Wingin' Motown Radio. Uh, I am Kyle, your host, and for Lauren and JJ and the rest of the Winging Motown Radio crew, good night and thanks for tuning in. Wingin' it.
2: wingin' it. I'm winging it.